0: I'm coming in today a little bit traumatized because this morning I was putting the trash out and Uh a rat jumped out of the trash can and and brushed my arm. Are you kidding me? It was a little bit much, right? We got a serious rat problem in our our alley, our block. I mean, I know it's bad across the city. Our neighborhood's really bad. Dang. And every night, every night, Mm -hmm. I'm like dodging rats and it's no. messing me oh yeah it's no. like getting under my skin oh, no. and my kids are always consoling me they're like another rat man <laughs> Was it
1: another rat? I'm like yeah them rats <laughs> that ain't right the oh, devil
0: gets busy I mean, not out here to say that that's the, you know, the extent of my trials in this fallen world <laughs> but, but it's not a small one I heard I'm that. going to downplay it don't downplay my pain
1: look if that happened in my house, Vanessa be like, "We move in today." Yeah, <laughs> no, psychological damage, man. It yeah. gets in your head. Everything, everything's a rat.
0: Right.
2: Welcome to Till We Feast, where three pastor friends doing ministry in Washington, D.C. wrestle with questions around how the church can be a foretaste of the Feast of God. I'm Glenn Hoberg, one of the hosts of this podcast, and I'm joined in the studio by Pastor Russ Whitfield hey. and Pastor Duquan. How mm. you boys doing? Good hey, to I'm see you, man. Right. Good to be yep. back
1: in the studio, baby. Yep. It is good. Good to be hanging with you guys. Oh yeah. Beautiful fall. Uh autumnal Thursday. A little
0: warm actually, I think.
1: I ain't mad at it. Man,
0: fall to me means cold and crisp.
1: All right. right? I'm with that. I'm with that. Soccer weather. Yes. Well, Well, I don't know nothing about that. Well, you're
2: you're (laughs) you're you're a California boy that like uh was uh weathered weathered up in Rhode Island Island for how many years? I know, man. You were up there a long time.
0: People don't recognize me at home no more. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I'm like, what happened to you? I know.
1: Texas I type messed up me up. Uh, now. Yeah, I know. Yeah, so it's good to be together, man. It and is. Uh, I think we got some good stuff to chop today. We it, do. It
0: actually, it, it, hey, isn't it your birthday tomorrow?
1: Tomorrow is my birthday. Really? really? Hey, man, I'm catching you. I'm catching you. Man, any big plans? Uh, I have my day, for the most part, open because I don't know what my family's planning. So, oh, it's a surprise.
2: I, they always you do something. So nice. I
1: just you know let them do their thing.
2: Man, I hope you're not going to be sitting home the whole day going, when's it coming? <laughs> when's it coming? <laughs> when's it coming? And then like, you know, 12 yeah. o'clock comes around. Yeah. Man. Nobody forgot. loves
1: me. Everyone I, forgot. I make one request, and that one request is mm-hmm. I want eggs and perfectly cooked bacon in the morning with my coffee. That's That's all I need. That's it.
2: Now, that perfectly cooked bacon because you're a barbecue man. I, I couldn't, <laughs> I don't think I pressure, could do that. Right? Like, Look, I've
1: trained my kids. That's part of my discipleship of my kids. Yeah. I was like, if you leave my house and don't know how to cook bacon perfectly, yeah. I have failed you. ain't nothing. <laughs> 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 they have been trained. Yeah. And so I have my expectations are high. Good. Yeah, so, I, yeah. I hope you have a good day. Thank you, man. Thank good. you. All right. So, here is the question that I wanted to process through. So, the three of us know. Mm. ministry in the city is a grind mm. and it's come from the unique challenges and burdens of ministering in a city it's just like things are more challenging things are more pressurized things are more frantic it feels like with the city pace and a lot of times like so i just came out of a staycation in yeah. august yeah. and you know did a little bit i went up to pennsylvania to visit my parents and it was like oh yeah this, I can, I can breathe. I can find a parking spot. <laughs> yeah. I don't have right. to worry about no more honking at me when I don't <laughs> pull out at the very minute that the light changes, you know, it's like, you know, city prices, city stresses, all of that stuff. And so you can't help, but have the whiplash mm. when you come back into the city and it's like, and you're coming back into a busy ministry season. It's like, all right, buckle up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. like, it, it doesn't, that, that ministry is not waiting for you to be rested up in mm, order to yeah. be there every fall with the ministry kickoff. It's like, all right, it's time to grind, it's time to put in work. And yeah, before you realize it, you are whooped by the end of September, halfway through October, and you're like, God, dog, yeah, we're not even halfway through yet. The falls, so, you know, so that's where it's coming from. Yeah, what do y'all think are the unique challenges or differences about doing ministry in a city in our place? And how do you how do you lean on your theology of place or your 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 ways of thinking about faith or place that are in are informed by your faith that are distinct and, and that nourish you and help you to stay locked in on on the mission?
2: Yeah. I was thinking, Russ, as you said that there's the fatigue of ministry mm. that you can experience in any context. Yes. But the city does bring a level of fatigue, mm, it, mm. It, it, it exacts from you, yes, <laughs> right? Uh, yes. Energy, mm. it gives energy too. I, I mm. was thinking about like um, wh- the very first conversation I was ever had with Tim Keller. Mm-hmm. Uh, Meg and I went up to New York, mm-hmm. and we were talking with him about City Ministry, and he said you can't really go to the city unless you love cities. Mm, Mm. uh mm. You know, he said, you have to be energized by the city Mm. because we've seen too many people come and just burn out. Mm. And I think that's because Mm. of the very thing, like if you're not getting energy from it, Mm. I mean, it's because it's, it's requiring so much. Mm. At least I find that way. Yes. In just, um, you know, just the little things like we were like my habit when I wake up and, uh, my liturgy is: uh, I pray for the peace of the city when mm. I f- when I hear the first horn. Mm, you I love know, that. Which is always like mm. five minutes after I get outside. <laughs> not <laughs> even five minutes. <laughs> Thirty even, seconds. Not even. You know, right. you t- you talked about horns, right? My favorite mm. one is the preemptive horn. It's still the light is still red, mm-hmm. but you know, <laughs> right. th- they're, 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 <laughs> what do they They're believing right. it's going to be green. So you know, anyway. <laughs> right. right. No, that's right. I yeah, you can't
0: love a place that you secretly have contempt for. Mm. Right, if you see the the place where you live only as a hindrance or a Hmm. or a or a wearisome kind of obstacle to life, or you just kind of quietly think it's a terrible thing, you wish you were somewhere. You can't love that place, and that's true Mm. whether if you're in a city, if you're in a suburb, if you're in the countryside, whatever Mm. rural small town, whatever Mm -hmm. it might be. Right, Um, and so cultivating a love for where you are again, Mm. not just the people but the place itself and i think even that distinction is kind of hard and we're not just ta- we are talking about the people of course and that's 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 part of the equation but the mm. place itself and i you know i'll be the first to admit i wasn't raised on that notion mm. right whether it just in no life way. but especially in my early formation yes. as a christian yes. where i i think you know i don't know that it was ever explicitly said maybe it was but sort of this whole notion of like the whole goal of Christianity, the goal of salvation is mm. to be whisked away from place, right? right. You, you know, sent off to heaven, mm. you know, which is the ideal, a disembodied, mm. displaced.
1: Mm sort mm. of
0: existence in eternity. Right. Mm. And so it's sort of like, well, it's all going to burn up anyway. And so right. why are we investing in it? Why are we, in fact, it's all fallen and broken. So mm. let's get out of place. Right. Mm. So I think mm. this has been a relatively last couple of decades, relatively new part of my discipleship and formation, understanding the importance of place. But I think, uh, you know, to your question, Russ, that we're getting at is, when you start to actually come alive to what I, I, I think is a calling to mm. place, mm. Uh, the, seeing the importance of place biblically, mm. then, then it just starts to make life a lot more enjoyable, right? Mm. I just am like, hey, right. learning to love where you are, learning to notice the gum-dotted sidewalks on your street, <laughs> learning to notice the way that this unique city is different from other places. Mm. The way that I notice, So right now, we're in your neighborhood area, Russ, mm-hmm. right now, and just how it's eminently obvious to me the way that this neighborhood is arranged is so different from yes. where... I am where right. I live, right? In my right. neighborhood in Columbia Heights, right? Yes. So just sort of seeing the way that that impacts how communities get formed, how people bump into strangers differently, whether mm. if you're in a car, if you're on your feet, whether you're scootering around, or if you're biking mm. around, whether there are bike lanes around to help mm. you to scooter or bike around so you bump mm. into people, because everything looks different at right. street level than it does at car level than right. it does at whatever train level, yes. right?
1: Yes. So yeah.
0: just seeing the way that I experience day-to-day life is so different because my my eyes have been opened to the way that God has seen and made place.
1: Mm. So like theology of place may be new for some folks. Like, how would you, how would you actually outline Like, What is theology of place? In
0: fact, Glenn, I think
1: you might be preaching
0: a series on that right now. We right? Am. Yeah, yeah, I we're, we're, we're expecting a lot from you right here. That's you right. Right. Oh, you know, man. Tell us what you it gotta is. You got to carry
2: us, bro. You know? Yeah. And and I confess, you know, it's, it can be abstract to mm-hmm. people, mm-hmm. but it's, it, it's occurred to me I think the reason it's abstract to us is because sin takes things from you. And I think one of the things it's done is robbed us Mm. of that located Mm. sense of where we are. So, you know, one of the observations that's occurred to me in studying this time around is the first time you meet God. In the book of Genesis, he's portrayed as a builder, Mm, you know, mm, basically evening and morning or nine to five. mm, He's building a habitat. And mm, the very first command he gives is to build and cultivate. mm, So that's very place-centered stuff. He's mm, a placemaker. We're placemakers. So how in the world does that become peripheral? mm, mm, And I also then think, all right, what does the Great Commission do? It doesn't, mm, like, save us into the... some ethereal world right. it puts us back into the original commission yeah right so i'm I, it, that stuff helps me see it as not this just like conjured up thing mm. but it's integral mm. in it, it, meaning it, it like gives everything meaning mm. so I've, I've got this uh this guy that attends our church and uh, he grew up In the city of Chicago, Mm. and his dad is like a guru of city ministry. Mm -hmm. So, this dude has grown up, like, you know, very mindful of like city Mm. and place. Uh And uh, he's been an acquaintance for years. He's been coming to church lately. And how he got there was one of the members that lives on his street said, "Uh, I noticed this guy sweeping the streets all the time. Mm. And he said, I just went up to him and said, hey, do you want to come to our church? Hmm. And he was like, oh, I know that church. Sure, I'll come. Nice. But, you know, but the way he met him mm-hmm. was just this sense of, no, mm. I, I care about where I'm at. Mm. But I, I, I want to kind of turn it back, though, because mm. I do think it's very easy to get abstract about yeah. this. Like personally, Russ, hmm. how does our place, D.C., where do you get energy and where does it like require Hmm. from you in specific ways?
1: That's a great question. So where do I get energy? I love DC, Chocolate City. I love the unique kind of mid-Atlantic, the food, uh, the music. There's a unique musical genre in DC. I love the the sensibilities of the people, like the people of this city love this city. Yeah. And when when the way, you know, the, the lingo, the phrases, the institutions that have been built mm-hmm. in this city, it's like this is a unique city because, mm-hmm. you know, it's the capital city of our country. But also, like, we all know that most outsiders to D.C., they they know federal D.C. Mm-hmm. And that's the folks who have come in from the all 50 yeah. and from even from around the world. And yeah. you have to have an office here. You have to have some kind of presence here as a corporation, as a nonprofit so there's federal DC, but then there's native DC. Yeah. And that's like, that's who we're aiming at in our place because that is the greatest, you know, demographic of our place. And um, and, and so I I love those aspects, the way that the people are, in terms of like, there's a real sense of community here. And, you know, people have actually the, the history of the city, it's rich and it's also very complicated. Yeah. And that has created a sort of bonding. Of the people. I'll give you an example. When crack hit D.C. in the 80s and 90s, a lot of my friends in D.C. who are native D.C., they were growing up at that time and they tell stories of resilience about like, man, as the drug trade was like basically the only way for many of them to even have the hope of taking care of their family. Mm-hmm. And some of them got pulled into that. They wound up doing time for that. Now they're on the other side of that. But there's this sort of like recognition among them, whether you actually participated in that or you were just trying to survive that and stay out of it. They're sort of like this, hey, we've been through this together. And there's this sort of common bonding mm. that exists in, in that age bracket of D.C., like 40s, 50s. And so um, so I love that, that sense of resilience, that sense of recognition of one another, like um, based upon the unique story of this place. Those yeah. are things I love about this city. There's a great musical you know, subculture here. Yes. There is, uh, I love that this city is a place where, you know, I think more than any other place, people come to this city because they want to change the world. Mm. And I also love the challenge of trying to help native DC and federal DC to find their way toward one another. That's good. So I'm excited about that. So those are things that energize me. This is a place of like all the polarities, political polarities socioeconomic polarities you have one part of our city where it's just like absolutely destitute and then one part of our city where it's like you know average income's like 250 a year and it's like they're they're probably like 2 miles away <laughs> mm-hmm. and so like you have socioeconomic polarities ethnic polarities racial polarities you have um it just I love it because I'm the original idea of planting our congregation was we want to show how the gospel al- it, it allows a center that can pull all those polarities into belonging, and unity and diversity. Yeah. The things that are frustrating about this city, the things that grind me, uh I will say is uh there is a there is uh it depending on where you find yourself ministering, right, in our city. Mm-hmm. There is a severe uh it's it's extraordinary um in terms of like the intensity of the struggles and the the social networks breaking down mm-hmm. and how people are. It's like it's, it's getting kind of cutthroat and there's like crime and, you know, the crime, obviously, like, you know, when I got members in my congregation who are getting mugged. Right. Like that's a hard thing to, yeah. to, to wrestle through because yeah. I'm, as a man. Let alone being a pastor, just as a man, like someone mugging a woman makes me furious. Oh, oh yeah. And I want to do some wall-to-wall counseling, as they say, in the the military, right? Like I want to lay hands on people, but they ain't going to be holy hands, you know what I'm saying? It makes me furious, you know? And it's like that sense of vulnerability or like, you know, the way that you're like wondering sometimes, like, are my wife and kids okay? Right. They're out there. And it's like, what if someone like pulled up on my family like that you know i got members of my congregation who have been held up at gunpoint you know not to mention the exhaustion of like okay check it out when you're really trying to love your place and you really start building relationships with people who are on the margins and they're suffering there's a romantic version of that where it's like oh yeah we connect with them and then they kind of they live their lives and they're able to cover their own responsibilities and i live mine and as almost as if all things are equal Mm. uh it, but the reality is that when you get into relationships with very needy people who are in very difficult positions, it demands so much of you. Mm. And if you are saying, this is the kind of church we're trying to be. And like, look, we planted this church specifically to care for people like you. You got to be able to deliver on that promise. Yeah. But when they come and they say, oh, okay, y'all are for real about that? Well, let me give you my laundry list of needs. And you're like, "Wow." it takes our whole team just to care for like two or three people Ooh. who are in a very deep hole and who are suffering deeply. And so you're always like, so that's stressful because you got to be on the ball. It's like, you don't want to drop the ball after you made promises. And then the word gets out among the the native residents. Like, Oh yeah, they talk a good game, but they don't actually huh. follow it up. And so mm. it's like the, the, the difficulties of actually caring for people who are in need. And then you start to get the compounding impact of like multiple people, many difficult stories. It's like, all of this comes together, so it's your personal life, whether it's a difficulty or just like the the the, the uh, intensity of just doing something as simple as like going out grocery shopping. It's like, all right, I'm gonna have to fight to find a parking spot, right. and all this kind right. of stuff, right? To your ministry life, where it's like, okay, I got to figure out how to mobilize people, and I might have less time to do the things that I feel are more central to my calling, like preaching and and you know, prayer and shepherding. You know, the the insiders. I feel that obligation at the same time that the demands of loving our neighbors are really spiking. And it's mm-hmm. like, this is what we're here for. So it's it's hard because it requires you to reassess your priorities as a pastor, your priorities that you're trying to instill into your congregation. I mean, I feel like I could go on and on and on, but that's yeah, those are some of the contours. I appreciate
2: that. Yeah. Duke, what about you, man?
1: Yeah, I mean,
0: I I love it. I love it here. And, and we actually even... Intentionally try to breed that love for a city, even with our kids, mm. right? Where you know from the beginning, I've always tried to say to them, and, and and we teach it to our congregation too, that cities teach our children how to share,
2: mm. huh?
0: Right? Because you mm. you you don't got the swing set in your own backyard because you don't have room for it, <laughs> right? <laughs> you know you don't have. Mm you know, your own basketball hoop. I I actually have been grieving this lately Mm. because, you know, my son is getting more and more into hoops. Mm. And I I, I genuinely really wish Mm. I could set up a basketball hoop in our backyard Mm. or in the front driveway. We don't got (laughs) a driveway. Or, you know, in front of the garage. We don't got a garage, right? That You know, you know, and that kind of stuff that Mm. I know I grew up with. Mm. And I just want him to freely to be able to go back out, you know, 10 steps outside of the back door, front door, and be Mm. able to shoot around, but he can't. So what do we have to preach? We have to Mm. preach... We live in a city. We don't have a lot of these things in our yard, but Mm. what we do have is a park Mm. two blocks away. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that means we need to share the blessings and the gifts Mm. of that basketball hoop over there or that Mm. soccer field over there or that swing set over there. We're going to share that with our neighbors. And so Mm. you kind of inculcate an ethic of sharing Mm. um, right from the start. And, you know, that's the nature of cities because of the density you're pressed in. We live in a row house. And so we share walls on either side. And we talk to our kids about that. Hey, Mm. we share. We don't have a home all by ourselves. We share walls. And so that means sometimes you're going to hear our next door neighbor. You know, sometimes you're going to hear Miss <laughs> Heather. You're going to hear different things. Like or not, sometimes they're going to hear you. <laughs> so you Quaint Drummond. drumming. going to hear Pastor Duke saying, boy, if you don't sit yourself down right now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, believe me, we've wondered. Oh, right? yeah. What do they hear, right? Oh, Accountability, sure. right? right? And yeah. so I, I do believe, and I, I don't want to overstate this, but so much of American life is shaped around individualism. You're kind of doing your own mm. thing and you're just like, privately living life, even Mm. as believers. Mm. And I think the structure of the city, so I'm not just talking about the idea of the city, but like physically where Mm. we live and how things are arranged. And Mm. with a sidewalk we have, where we have constant streams of people walking Mm. right in front of our house, so much so that our ring camera on our front doorbell, Mm. it, it turns on like 20 times a day, Uh, all the time, right? right. People walk by because it thinks someone's coming up to the door, but Mm. no, it's just a, it's a bypasser on the, on the sidewalk. So the struck the physical built environment of the city mm. shapes even how we're talking to our kids about how they play and how they have fun and, and how you know whether or not they can make noise and, mm. and, and and how they play with their stuff in the house and outside the house. Mm. But I think it, it also disciples them. The city is discipling our kids mm. into an ethic of sharing mm. and an ethic of community with people. Because they're growing up around, you know, realizing, look, you walk out into the back deck, what you say, everyone in the neighborhood can hear. (laughs) (laughs) How you talking to your little sister, everybody can hear you, right? right? And the same when when dad, how daddy's talking to you too, everyone can hear as you were saying before, so... (laughs) Um, I love that. I mm. love that because that's I think a formational dimension mm. of place. Mm. Every place is forming us in some ways mm. towards certain values that I do think are echoes and reflections of God's kingdom. Mm. And again, mm-hmm. and, and that's true of every place, mm. you know, whether you live in the woods, mm-hmm. <laughs> you live in the city, right, burbs, whatever it might be. And every place also has aspects that are either limitations, frustrations. Or even examples of idolatry that where it cultivates the yeah. fallen side of ourselves, yeah. mm. um, and, and and that's true of cities as well. But I, but I love that that part of how we're raising our kids in here.
2: Mm. Yeah, I. When you talk about sharing, Duke, I think about you know wherever we live, this like living into place theology of place does demand we be corporate and communal mm. and not just individualistic. Right. Right. I right. mean, that that's on us all mm-hmm. in the city. It has, you know, particular conveniences, but also, I mean, challenges, right. Yeah. Right. Because you were just pressed up against, you know, where it gets me, uh, in a good way, like, unless I'm fostering all the time, like this, this, um, belief of the great city to come mm. and, uh, Empathy. Mm-hmm. Like, it's yeah, very easy right. for me. You know, why do you get mad in the city? Because yeah. you're like, you are not living like you're supposed to. Mm-hmm. You know, you're just... For me to even just like tolerate the way culturally someone's going to behave in the city yeah. as opposed to me. Right. It just forces me to take stock, mm-hmm. you know, and it can show up in lots of different ways. You That's know? really good. It, yeah. can, it can show up, like you said, the volume of someone's music, mm-hmm. yeah, it, it can it can show up by um, <laughs> I joke around and just like uh, what I call uh, uptight and white, you know this <laughs> idea, you know, you know, the, <laughs> you know the person that's chasing the garbage man down the street, going, "Why, why didn't you do? T- why didn't you take this? You were supposed to take this." And I'm thinking, this guy's getting beat that. Oh, he's struggling, right. you know, and right. just all these different worlds that get thrown together, yeah. uh, and so it's. And it's hysterical too. I mean, just the, I, I was in an Uber mm. going uh, to our fellow pastor Mike's place. Mm. And just within 25 minutes, I was just <laughs> laughing to myself. I was looking at the window, just thinking, this place is like hysterical, the yeah. things that you see happening. Mm. And at one point, you know, we pull up and these two guys that are working construction, they've got this big, like, uh, piece of something they have to cut. It almost mm. looks like wallpaper. I guess they didn't think they had room. So they spread it across the road. <laughs> and they're they're sitting there in yeah. the front. And we're like, we can't move forward. And they're wow. putting their hand up and saying, just wait a second. You know, they're <laughs> right. They're cutting it and then wow. they roll it up and go, go on through. But you know, it's wow. just it's just the the comedy too yes. of the craziness of this place. Yeah. Which if you don't laugh, you'll cry. Right. Right. <laughs> right. But Totally feel like, I, re, I remember a, a pastor years ago, a fellow city pastor, one of their core values was just this idea of being city positive. Mm-hmm. And it's hard, right? You mm-hmm. have to fight the cynicism. Mm-hmm. You have to fight, as Russ was saying, like right now, anger is high Yes, mm-hmm. in D.C. Mm-hmm. Yes. You get people together, mm-hmm. Their blessings, you feel more, and you feel the other stuff too. Yes. And you're just like, okay, Lord, how do I think about this with my family? Mm-hmm. My own anger.
1: Yes. Right. I,
2: I had a circumstance just two nights ago. There, there was a, a gentleman who, I mean, I, I think it's been like 18 years. He rides around Capitol Hill, mm. and uh, he's not a nice guy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, he rides, right, but he does handyman work. And I yeah. had him do some work, and, you know, he did some some good work. But then he started showing up at my house, you know, 9, 10 at night. Demanding money. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, just knocking on the door. And I'd be like, listen, you know, I'm not going to do that. Yeah. And I literally was praying, like, Lord, please, you know, (laughs) like, I I don't want. And so I'd been some years, and the other night, two nights ago, knock, 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 Nuh-uh. and man, he was getting belligerent. What? Mm-hmm. He was mm-hmm. getting downright mad. Mm. Wow. And you know, normally I'd be like, "Listen, I'm sorry. I'm a I'm a good pastor," mm-hmm. and I just was like, I just said, I said, "You yelling at me on my front door ain't gonna work," <laughs> <laughs> yes. you know. And then he yes. he shouted some things at me, cursed yeah. at me, and yeah. then I walked in the room, and Meg is looking at me, and she's like. <laughs> what's oh, going yeah, on with going you? On, yeah. She's going, he's going to come back and kick your butt, man. Right. You know, and I was like, well, I guess, I don't know. I just felt like, a, so, and, and yeah. that's
0: part of it, right? Because I was talking about the, 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 the light, the bright side of the opportunity for sharing, but there's a dark side too. Mm-hmm. It's like uninvited sharing, right? Mm-hmm. Where you're constantly bumping into people. Like everyone experiences yeah. friction in life, but the city makes you kind of experience it all the time, right? Mm-hmm. Constantly pressed in, with all our mutual centerhood and kind of just ways that we're crazy. We mm. all are, right? Mm. And and that's tiring. It really is, right? Mm. I mean, I, like I was saying earlier, it's a blessing to raise our kids in the city. But one thing that we started noticing, Paula and myself, when we were talking about like, what is it like actually to sort of step outside of ourselves? What's it like to raise kids in the city? And as we were mm. walking with other young families at that time about it, and one thing that we came up with was it requires a constant Vigilance—that's mm-hmm. just tiring over time, mm-hmm. right? Where you're kind of always having to be like on. Where you know, different from other places where you can just like let your kids go running, yeah, just yeah. just go, right? Right? You know, do not right. matter where you are, doesn't matter who's around, just go. Why? Mm-hmm. Number one, because you got open space, you can see them, yes. right? We ain't got no open space runner anywhere, no. right? No. And you know everybody, mm-hmm. and maybe everyone's kind of like you, so you have a presumed set of shared values behavior patterns Mm. family styles whatever it might be so that homogeneity to a certain degree gives you a little bit more you know open-handedness when it comes to kids go go ahead Mm -hmm. you know we know you're going to be we know you're going to be okay right (laughs) and here you just can't do that so everything you like the minute you stroll out onto the sidewalk when if you have little babies or kids or whatever you're like looking left looking Right. right you know and even if it's not like you're living in deep suspicion or fear. Even mm-hmm. if it's not that, or to that degree, you just kind of need to be on. You have to. You have to be yes. on all the time. Mm-hmm. I joke around you know, and
2: say that we're gonna have uh, we're gonna have great sprinters as kids because we let them run down the sidewalk and they go, go, stop, you know, <laughs> before cross street. <laughs> <and> yes. <laughs> stop. Yes. yes. Anyway.
0: Right. And so it can be tiring. and that's why mm-hmm. you know we do tell parents you got to get out. You got to mm-hmm. you got to get you know a break. You got to get to a place you know for personal rest just to be able to turn it off because it really is unique raising little ones in the city there's a unique layer of exhaustion on top of the ordinary exhaustion that's common to all
1: raising kids at a young age um in yeah. the city yeah. so little things like that man yeah it, i you know i you know listening to you guys talk I, I i kind of found some other things but before i press in to yeah, the yeah, direction yeah. one of the other things is very challenging about this city is that it, it there I don't think there are any pastors in the country who are uh under greater expectation and obligation to address politics. Uh. And I hate that. Mm-hmm. I hate it because mm-hmm. I really don't want to I'm not a politically oriented kind of person. Like I don't enjoy like that's not my thing. Right. Like I'll talk to you all day about hospitality, cooking, food. Like I'm I'm totally into that. Music, any of that. I am just not into politics and one of the things that's been a constant theme in my ministry here is people come in and the people who work in DC, especially those who work in politics, but I think generally most mm-hmm. people in DC they read just like we hear everything through a theological lens they read everything and hear everything through a political mm-hmm. lens and so a lot of times I you know one Sunday I got accused of being a liberal the very next Sunday I got accused of being a conservative by somebody else. And it's like, (laughs) and they were both right. (laughs) And it's like, I I was trying to, I was trying to say, like, I tried as, as, as gently as Mm -hmm. I could and non-defensively as I could to say, I understand how, what I said might read that way to you. I need you to know Mm -hmm. that however much you think I know about politics and however much you think I'm trying to send subtle politically oriented messages. I'm just not capable of that. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know politics like y'all know it. I sin- I sincerely am trying to draw from Scripture and trying to the Scripture faithfully and then just trying to work it into the lives that right. you all live. Right. But it's like every four years, it's like mm. buckle up and yeah. you don't know what it's going to be. And it could be like anything from like neutral where everyone's like minorly disgruntled. To like complete chaos where it's like one group is just ecstatic and the other one is is going bananas mm-hmm. because they believe that like the fate of the country has just been sealed. And it's like right. having to constantly come back and shepherd people through that stuff, especially when they work in that, right? So that's a hard thing about this place. I think another thing that I love about this place is there are some of the most beloved institutions in the black community at large mm-hmm. are here. Mm-hmm. So you think Howard University, yeah. Howard Theater, you think yeah. U Street where like, mm-hmm. you know, Duke Ellington, like Black Broadway. Mm-hmm. Like I just I love that. And then the memorializations and, and all of that kind of this is a unique window yeah. on our broader place, which is the you know, United States of America. And so, like, that's the kind of stuff I feel like being tapped in in D.C. uh, in in a way that's unique from any other city allows you to be tapped into the very heartbeat of our country. That's good. And so I love that. Yeah,
0: and I I love that, you know, the unique black history that we find here, Mm -hmm. and and it's true of a lot of cities in this sense, Hmm. that the way that God designed cities with its density, with Hmm. its sort of proximity to people and resources— And, and just again, a- as a product of the, the f- even the physical structure of cities, right? Mm. Cities from the very beginning, even from ancient times have always been places of refuge, yes, right? Yes. And so you have this unique dynamic where uh, different minority groups of every kind, economic minorities, ethnic and cultural minorities, mm-hmm. age minorities, mm. Sexual minorities, right, have all in different times and ways found cities to be a haven and a safe place where in other places and other more, let's say, spread out communities Mm. where... Those individuals would find themselves more isolated. Hey, we gotta find a, a place where we can get a critical mass yes. of the few of us, so right. that we can be a lot of us, yes. right? And that's where they find it in a city. And so you got mm. black folks that found themselves in cities and built these incredible cultural institutions right. and incubators yes. that we still see standing even today. Or mm. why it's so common, as it's common in DC, common in a lot of cities, mm. to have LGBTQ communities, right? right? cropping up in major cities Mm -hmm. why you have so many single people who Mm. might feel alienated as grown single adults, not Mm. fitting into family culture in other places, suburbs or small towns where Mm. they can actually have a sort of surrogate family Mm. again, by a critical mass of other people in their lives, living in group homes and being together and finding that again, proximity to people. Mm. It's just, it actually has helped me to see the beauty in Mm. that and Mm. almost a disposition of mercy
2: hmm, towards yeah. people,
0: like there, there, there. What you find here and what you experience here are a lot of other people that, or, or community subcommunities that genuinely struggle hmm. outside of this environment, hmm. where it's just harder out there. And to actually see this, it really is, in a way, I think, a, a little slice of heaven, hmm. right? Where vulnerability finds a place of security. Hmm. Uh, Just by being together, and of course, Mm. there 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 is a you know a downside, a dark side, a hard side when you get so many different kind of people in one place. You got a lot of friction. You got a lot of difference. You got a lot of barriers. Mm. You got a lot of segregation. You got a lot of problems. You got a lot of hurt and wounds and and fighting and all all that stuff, right? But at its best, that kind of diversity and that kind of marginality and vulnerability that you see Mm. in, in in the security that can be enveloped around. These communities—it's—it's it's a neat thing to see and to and and to behold and to experience.
1: That's that's good. So we're talking about a topic that you know, I think we're the three of us are pretty clear on. We don't hear much about mm. in broader American Christianity. You know, if if there is such a thing, right? Like in broader the broader community of American Christians, we just don't hear a lot about this. So if you're listening into this, um, what are some Key principles uh, that we might not only walk away with ourselves, or be reminded of, or teach one another. But what are some key principles of a th- theology of place, living into it? Why it's good? Why it's faithful? Like how it can take shape? How to do it? That we could kick around for our last few minutes um, to encourage each other and perhaps someone listening today.
2: Yeah, I mean it's been it's been necessary for me to renew constantly mm. like th- this is this is on target mm. for mission mm. this is on target for our book right mm. our book is the one that has so many places mentioned mm-hmm. our book is the one where god actually enters the place mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. and it it helps me wake up every day and go it's important mm what I do here. Yes. You know, it's how I live here. Mm. And, um, as you, you know, our history in this city, especially people can walk by neighbors to what they believe is their all important job. Mm. Right. It can be very national and global mm-hmm. and it has helped center me. Mm. Like when we picked the name of this network, mm-hmm. we intentionally put DC in it because yeah. it, we didn't want it to be like, we're trying to be the hub
1: right of right. the national
2: whatever right so i have to renew that and then for me there's two other things mm. like i regularly try to go through a, a liturgy of thanksgiving mm. Mm. like you know when i'm it's walking good. down the sidewalks mm. whether it's thanks for this building mm. thanks for this mm. crazy diversity i'm seeing yeah. right now yeah I, i'm I ain't a political guy. I've often thought, God, why, why didn't you send like a poli sci major? Right. But I think it's good. None of us like mm. idolize that. Yeah. Right. Because you can't be prophetic. Right. With something that you're not. You're, That's
1: a word right there. You're That's a into. word right there. Theology of I, what I hear you saying is theology of place allows you to identify specific, particular idols, particularly so that you can so that you can preach a particular gospel. To the particular people mm. it before you, mm. I, that's keep going. That's great. Yeah,
2: and then just at least my wife and I, when we take dates together, I mean we enjoy the city, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and we just try to go out and go. Isn't this wonderful? Mm-hmm. I mean it's broken, mm-hmm. right? We're not just tourists. We just mm-hmm. don't go. Isn't this great? Yes. But we're appreciating the city and actively like had our kids enjoying it mm. and. Those things have meant a lot the mm. last twenty years mm. to keep me. I I love this place more than I did before. Yeah, mm. you know. I hope, I hope God will enable me to stay here. Mm. I, I've already told the congregation I want to be buried in Congressional Cemetery on, on Capitol Hill. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. you know, and I'm hoping yeah. someone's going to buy me a plot. But uh <laughs>
1: You're waiting. yeah, yeah, we'll do we'll do, we'll do a bake sale. And
0: yeah. See what yeah, we come up with there. We go. All right. <laughs> yeah, Dude? I mean. Actually growing in and cultivating a theology of place, Mm. you know, through reading and reflection, I think is really important Mm. Um, for me, for what it's worth resource wise. A thin book, just really helpful for me. Uh, About 20 years ago, Hmm. um, Eric Jacobson's Sidewalks of the Kingdom. Oh, yeah. mm. Super, super helpful. Um, He comes out, of a Christian pastor comes out of the new urbanism movement. He applies it both to small towns as well as cities. And so that's Mm. a really helpful um, place to start. Mm-hmm. Um, and actually the forward in that book was written by Eugene Peterson. Mm-hmm. Um, and that essay by itself is 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 worth the cost of the book and just Amazing. helpful um, to see it. Um, in terms of practice, I, I, I have grown to appreciate the exercise, similar to what you were saying, Glenn, of just constantly um, reflecting on what are the unique gifts and blessings that are offered by this particular place and what are the unique struggles mm-hmm. and hardships that are offered by this unique, right. by mm-hmm. this particular place? Because I think we we experience those things, but kind of just like not even realizing we are. It's just an experiential thing. But to actually reflect on them, to do some meta stuff on mm-hmm. it, um, I think is helpful because no place is perfect, mm-hmm. and there's a blessing and curse everywhere. But just to be more cognizant of it, I think is discipling and forming, um, mm-hmm. and. Helps you both again, like you were saying, both to cultivate gratitude and celebration, as well as um, an awareness of exactly what it is uh, that's hard about that place, and that can be applied whether if you live in a city, in the suburb, and right. you know, in, mm-hmm. in, in a small town. Um, Rural area. Hmm. Um, So that that's kind of a cataloging exercise that I've learned to do. Hmm. And, and really, that helps me to be able to see again, I'm not just talking about what's unique about DC just generally. Mm -hmm. But Mm -hmm. I'm like, what is it about the way our metro is arranged? kind of close but just far enough to be a pain in the butt like right like what is it about that what is it about our streets and like I was saying I was saying before different neighborhoods that have a different density hmm. a, a different arrangement of shops and amenities in the middle of residential blocks like what is it about this and what uniquely about that intersects with the values of the kingdom of God mm. in other words that that encourages community mm. right uh, you know, what is it about this grocery store that actually helps people to feel like they belong? What is mm. it about this block and the ways that these trees are arranged and the way these homes are laid out that mm. actually helps people to feel more alienated, in mm. fact? Mm. Right. What are the physical features about the design of this place that actually... Help us to see more or less of the kingdom of God, mm. whether or not we acknowledge that God, mm. and sort of mm. doing that mental exercise, I think, is really been, has been beneficial for me. Mm.
1: What do you think? Yeah, what do you think, bros? I mean, I feel like takeaways from me and like process and digesting all that we've talked about today, I'm I'm freshly reminded of like you know anecdotally there are a number of people who never would have discovered the love of God for them without actually experiencing and observing our love for this city. Mm. And that was like the back door for them. And they're like, why do these people care so much about this place? Like, why do they go the extra mile? Like, why? So that idea of the way that we love not just people, but Mm -hmm. the way that we love a place Mm -hmm. is image-bearing. We are Mm -hmm. trying to... So when they ask us about our why... God is our why, and that begins to shift their perspective on who God is and what God is like, and at the end of the day, that's what we're all here to do is we're trying to get people to see God as he is and to respond to that, right? Right. I also think about just like, um, I I think we all can appreciate the fact that generic is almost never as good as specific and tailored.
2: Mm.
1: Whether it's clothing, whether it's a particularly like, made meal just for you because it's, you know, it, it takes into account your allergies or your food sensitivities. Like particular is God's way. Mm. Mm-hmm. He has always been particular. Yeah, He didn't just give us a general salvation. He just didn't save a general mankind. He knows your name. Yeah. He called you. Mm. And in that way, that's mm. like, that mm-hmm. translates into like, man, we are able to adorn something of the nature of the kingdom in God's ways and God's person through the way we love place. And then, you know, I translate that to like, okay, sometimes the only way you can get people to really lock in and care about a thing is if you attach it to something else that they really care about. So ministry folk, we care about the word of God, and many of our listeners will be people who have to preach from week to week. Yeah, Think about just generic, generalized sermons Mm. and how if you aren't able to Preach with deep pastoral knowledge of the people to whom you're preaching. Your sermons will not have the same effect and will not be near as helpful to your people as they would be if you knew them and you knew what they were wrestling with. So when you were making applications, right. they were like, it's like my pastor was in my kitchen. Yeah. And so in that way, I, I think that what, what that pastoral care is to preaching, I think theology of place is to mission. Oh. Mm-hmm. Good. You know, yeah. it's like I'm saying it's like
0: and not and not only preaching but the whole liturgy in fact, right? Yes. Because you know, when we were first planting our congregation, one of the things that I used to sort but of But most people don't head. care about liturgy, dude. That's why I said preaching. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, yeah. Well, just you know, different form the the forms of worship. So mm. what the content of say the prayers of the people or yeah. a pastoral prayer and that sort right, of thing. Right. You know, not only the preaching applications mm. but also the prayers Hmm. Praying for this particular elementary school, yes. praying for this particular tragedy or crisis going on down the street, praying yes. for particular things, That's right. right? Where I used to say, this service, end to end, the liturgy, the preaching, and all the rest, mm. should make no sense if we're tra- if it were transplanted to a different place. That's right, right. Of course, yes. there are universal universal yeah. common components to what mm. we do in, in the preaching, the gospel, and so on and so forth. But mm. the particularities should be like, whoa, well, that doesn't apply to me, right? It should yes. be that specified and mm. tailored mm. to who you're actually uh, in a worshiping community with, yes, and the neighbors that you're seeking to serve, and the place that you're learning to love, yes. right particularized and tailored to that every single Sunday. Yes. That's an
1: adventure. One hundred percent. You know, doing yes. that is fun. Yes. So yeah. So you 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 stating that actually is very helpful in crystallizing what I was saying about mission, because imagine this, you're a non-Christian, you were invited to church by, you know, these church people. Right. Yeah. yeah. You are a principal at the local school. Yeah. You come to worship on Sunday. Mm-hmm. The pastor gets up and says, Today we're going to pray for our local schools. The difference for that non-Christian friend yeah. between hearing, Lord, we prayed that you just bless the schools. Amen. Right. Mm-hmm, like versus, mm-hmm. Lord, would you? Would you be with the leadership of Elsie Whitlow Stokes Charter School? Right. Yeah. We know how hard they're working to love students and to yeah. give them fair opportunities and equal opportunities to be educated, and we know how difficult their work is, and we pray you'd sustain them. And, Lord, if there's any way that we could be supportive of their work and the good work that they're doing in our neighborhood, would you give us windows and, and, and avenues? Right. If you're that non-Christian yeah. Yeah. principal who right. walked in that Sunday... There is no question the difference between those two could be the very difference between you saying, this is the kind of community I I could be a part of mm-hmm. versus you saying, okay, I did the church thing. I wasn't really particularly moved or it yeah. didn't really mean anything to yeah. me. Right? And even
0: in terms of the formation of the Christians in your poos yes. too, right? because you're teaching them to see and walk by buildings, institutions homes Mm. with a a, a specific grid, right? So they're learning about these schools and they're learning to think and pray about these schools and these principals and these kids and Mm. their uniforms and all that, Mm -hmm. right? And noticing them. And so we're sort of sending them out to do the same, right? To pray in the same way. You know, with th- those details in mind, and to learn to love, mm. and those kinds of prayers, I think open people's hearts to say, "Hey, actually, hey, can can we find a way to serve yes. that school? Yes. You know, I want to invest in Stokes, which is across the street from me, or whatever right. it might be, right? That's right. That kind of thing.
1: That's exactly right. You and know? I and I'm like, man, at the at the at the end of the day, man, I'm just I'm I'm very uh, compelled to have a ministry that, like, if the neighbors begin to recognize this as like uh something that's kind of fundamental to the place like you know we always talk about we want to be the kind of church that if we were no longer here our neighbors would miss us because we have made a difference in this place and they have recognized that even if they never come to share our faith right it's it's that that specific love that specific attention that it's it's the reality if, if uh, you know, when I was at Dallas Seminary, I, I studied under Howard Hendricks, and he had this wonderful phrase he always used to say. He would always say, in trying to push us to be good students and to really know the Word, he would say, a mist in the pulpit is a fog in the pew. Mm-hmm. And he would, <laughs> essentially he was saying, if if the pastors and leaders of the church don't have great command of this, it's going to be even more difficult for right. the people It'd to get. Less clear. Yes, yeah, so on the note of you know theology of place and its impact on our mission... Right. If we're not clear about what this place is, what are its challenges? What are its idols? What are its glories? What are the opportunities? Like, who are the people? Who are the cultural gatekeepers who are able to unlock for us a whole community? If they simply say, "I'm rocking with you," and I'm bringing all the people who listen to me, like, if you if you know those things specifically, you're going to be that much more fruitful, I believe, in your leadership as uh, a church a church person, right? Like. And your people are going to be clear about what it is you're asking them to do so that your applications actually are more, uh, they, they get better command of the imagination and people begin to have more facility at imagining how they could actually work out the things that you preach week to week, because right. you're giving it such specificity in, in such contour because you know the place.
0: Yeah,
2: uh, You reminded me of a quote I read um, last week that said, we don't offer a salvation. We don't show, mm, right? Mm, I mean, mm, this is just mm. this is just like incarnational yes. salvation and in ministry. Yes, and the other thing I think it gives us freedom, and we could we could spend a whole other episode talking about this is hmm. the freedom of limitations and being finite. Yes, this feeling, you know, we made a decision uh, because we center. Mm. All of us center mm. our ministries in the district. Mm-hmm. You know, it doesn't mean we think it's holier than any other place. No, that's right. But it's this idea that we don't have to be the church of everywhere. Mm-hmm. That's right. God's placed us here, mm. and there really is a freedom to say, you know, I, I'm. He's the Book of Acts. I think about. He determined our boundaries. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. That's very wild for modern people to consider. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I think this current generation is more attuned to place more place attentive mm. than previous ones right? by local right that's the, the theology of things. place it is like it the reality is, is right? everyone
1: has a theology of place mm. the question is do you have a healthy and faithful theology of place mm-hmm. right and mm-hmm. i think at the end of the day if we realize it we all recognize the importance of this particular value in scripture because we pray it many of us every sunday mm. on earth as it is in heaven. That's. And you can get very specific with that. So we're saying on in, you know, in DC as it is in heaven, Woo! you know what I'm Bang! saying? So I like that's at the end of the day, that's what this theology of place things all about. I've, benefited a lot from this conversation appreciate you how long
2: you think i'd have a job if i started doing that with the lord's prayer at the very end (laughs) (laughs) in dc as it is in heaven (laughs) that's right i mean shoot that's 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 a great application yeah
1: so anyway man well listen we want to thank all of you for joining us for this episode of till we feast um we're grateful for your support and we ask that if this, if this has been a blessing to you, or if you think there are any other folks uh, that this might help, uh, we would love for you to, to like, subscribe, push that like button. That like button. And if you're <laughs> feeling super generous, write us a review. We're thankful. Uh, we're thankful for your listening ear and we hope that the Lord encourages you in this season of ministry and life. And till next time, the Lord bless you.